my always gorgeous listeners and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast where we're always here to chat about the weird and wonderful world of sex, sexuality and the body. I'm your host Dr Caroline West and as always I'm delighted to be part of the Tortoise Shack Network where you can find tons of content on all types of topics. If you like what we do please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It really does help to keep the mics on and we do really really appreciate our patrons or you can pop over to apple and rate and review if you want to contact me you can drop me a dm on instagram or twitter at glow west podcast so we're spoiling you this week with two podcasts because we are celebrating trans day of visibility which is the 31st of march this year and i have two absolute legends joining me today who are here to tell me all about their recent adventure for one want of a better word um in their story of trying to access trans healthcare, which in ireland is just completely rubbish let's let's call a spade a spade so we'll dive into that uh, first up i have fion collins who is 24 years old and from dublin he's a bisexual trans man and graduated from tu dublin city campus in culinary entrepreneurship in november 2020 He currently works as the Vice President for Welfare in TU Dublin Students' Union City Campus and is the current Deputy President-elect for the City Campus. Also joining us today, we have a returnee to the podcast. We have Noah Halpin, who's a 29-year-old transgender man from North County, Dublin. He is the Community Aid Officer for Healthcare at the Trans... Transgender Equality Network Ireland, also known as Tenny, and is also the founder of the This Is Me Transgender Healthcare Campaign, which advocates for a safe, accessible, best practice, person-centred healthcare for all transgender and non-binary people in Ireland. And he's also a member of ACT UP Dublin. Noah and Fionn, thanks a mil for coming along today. How are we both keeping? Pretty good. Still alive. Well, after your journey, uh, <laughs> that's not an understatement, I suppose. Just about yeah. still alive. Yeah, and through no fault of your own. Um, you guys recently tweeted your es- escapades of having to travel to Poland in the middle of a pandemic to access the health care that you cannot get in Ireland and let's just say it was um if it was a book it would probably be described as a page turner it was just <laughs> wild with with plot twists and, and and everything else so um take it away like talk to me about how I suppose well first of all the decision to travel um Fionn that was more led by yourself you were looking for um surgery talk to us about the whole process of, of the, having to travel for basic health care yeah, so um, I should note that I travelled actually for um, my first top surgery in September 2019 and this surgery was a revision. So I had to travel because there was uh, no top surgery available in Ireland and the public uh, top surgeon actually retired. So um, the first decision I made to go to England and London in 2019 was obviously something I had chosen because I was... Um, you know, delighted to go to London. It was a place close to my heart and I had friends who'd gone to the surgeon and I was very excited to go, but unfortunately it didn't go my way. Um, the surgeon left extra breast tissue and skin. So unfortunately I had to get surgery again. Um, so my good friend here, Noah, uh, suggested uh, Dr. Lembas in Poland and Warsaw. So we decided then let's go Warsaw because <laughs> we're not going to get, I'm not going to get any healthcare in Ireland, unfortunately. So we made the decision um about I'd say about a year and a half ago um, to go to Warsaw and it was stuck in my head then because it was something you know I had to do I mean unfortunately I, 
I, I didn't want to go again. I didn't want to go twice, but it was something, you know, that I had to do because I wasn't going to get it in Ireland. Well, the the waiting lists in Ireland are, I think, is it up to about three years to even get seen? Yeah. So to, to see the National Gender Service, uh, which is where trans people would, it, it's the it's the only uh, dedicated um, gender identity clinic in, in the country. And that is where people would access things like um, hormone replacement therapy, as well as referrals to surgeons abroad and things like that. But the way to see the National Gender Service from your first referral from a GP to your first appointment there is currently three to 3.5 years and climbing constantly. Which is wild. And then even then, I suppose, once you see them, I'm assuming it's going to be still a really long time before you get the option to have surgery then as well. Yeah, so they have a, a, a rule there that you must be undergoing HRT treatment with them specifically for at least at minimum six months before they will consider then offering you an, another psychiatric assessment uh, before they'll approve you for surgery uh, or refer you for surgery abroad. And this is, there's no exceptions to this rule. You could be on HRT for 10 years privately with someone else and they'll still say this to you. Um, it, it makes absolutely zero sense. No, that's mm. and like if you think about, you know, as, as a cis person, I'm privileged in a lot of my healthcare that I can just go to another doctor and say, hey, I'll, I'm, I'm on these meds from this place. It's that's not going to impact my care. But then when we're talking about trans people, completely different rules for, for yourself. Oh, apparently we're completely different, you know, and I think it's worth noting as well. I haven't been seen by the National Gender Service. I did all of this privately out of pocket as well. So not only did I have to pay the first time around for my surgery, but the corrective revision uh, in Warsaw, I had to do and pay for again. But uh, I was very lucky, I suppose, to, um, with the help of many friends and Noah as well, that I set up a GoFundMe and I actually did really well and paid for my surgery. Now, unfortunately, the first surgery, like I said, it didn't go to plan and I wasn't so, you know, I, was, I wouldn't say careful, but I was definitely careful. But I mean, I should have done, definitely done my research, but I am now altogether in debt of about 15 grand for all of my health care regarding to me being trans only. So um, that has nothing to do with wow. any other sort of health care. And you're only 24, like that's <laughs> yeah. a life changing amount of money, you know, that's a deposit on a house for a lot of other people and stuff. And so yeah. the indignity as well of having to set up a, a GoFundMe for health care, like a lot of people think that might just be an American thing because their health care system is, you know, not great for want of a better word as well. But to, there's a lot of trans people in Ireland having to set up um, this and essentially put it on social media and like you're kind of outing yourself then as well through a yeah, yeah. Well, our stories aren't aren't you know rare stories our stories are that of almost every other trans person in this country you know trans people are disproportionately affected by unemployment um worldwide so you know the likelihood that a trans person is going to have six to ten grand down the back of their couch is very um very slim so what we're finding is that the majority of trans people are having to crowdfund or take loans out that will be very difficult for them to pay back um and you know we can't keep doing that you know it's so it's and I guess for myself when I got my top surgery I kind of grappled with the idea of putting up a go for me I was mortified I was embarrassed I didn't want to ask people for money. I didn't want to, you know, I kept calling it free money. Um, and it was my friends were like, no, no, people want to help. This is something that you can't get done without help. And, you know, 
we all support it. And if someone doesn't, well, that's their problem. But like, this is something that you need. This is a healthcare, you know, this is healthcare that you need. And, you know, I eventually did after they pushed me so hard, set up a GoFundMe. But I, I remember going to bed that night really, really embarrassed um, mm-hmm. after I'd set it up initially. Now, I was so lucky in that it took off really quickly. I A lot of my friends shared it. A lot of my friends helped out. But that is that is a, you know, not a common story for the trans community. Normally, it would take somebody, could take up to three years to hit their target on a GoFundMe. More, even more. So. Yeah, or more, yeah. I, I do know plenty of people that are, longer than that so you know it's not a it's not a rare story that we have to pay money and travel but it is rare that people actually raise that money so quickly and yeah. then to come out as well like you to publicly announce to the world that you're trans and you're having surgery like again me as a cis person no one has to know about my surgery if I choose to have surgery or not it, it's not I don't have to announce it to the world unless I choose but to get healthcare, you have to say hey I'm trans and I'm going to have invasive surgery on my genitals like yeah. that's the trauma yeah. of that yeah I was actually quite embarrassed the second time because I decided you know after the first surgery I was going to go a little bit quiet in regards I wasn't going to go stealth which is basically where you tell knowing you're trans but I was just not talking about it as much you know and then it got to a point where I was not eating like I couldn't go to, I couldn't afford at one point because of my debt I couldn't afford to go to college for like a good month nearly and I was getting like borrowing 10 euro off this person 10 euro when I was raking it up and it was quite embarrassing and then COVID hit and I have to say <laughs> COVID was good for me in the way that I, it took me time to you know like the rent pauses and you know the way you got the like loan pauses I was very grateful for that and um, it did help me and then when it came to me realizing you know this is the time I can save and you know look into getting a second revision surgery and um, I was just going to save but then, you know, Noah had said to me, look, listen, like, you know, it's no need to be embarrassed because like like that, it's it's not an uncommon thing. But I was embarrassed. You know, I had some people say to me that are very close to me, like, don't do this again. Why would you bother? You know, that's scarlet for you, you know, everything under the sun. But then I just did it. I think I think I think it was with you, Noah, actually. You went to it was in your house or something just before COVID when we were talking about it. And then we rang one night and you were like, just do it. And I did. And, and then you know it kind of slowly took off and it took me about a month to raise it but still like a month that is really quick you know really really quick and I was I was delighted and I was very surprised which I shouldn't have been about how supportive people are because you know as a trans person you forget that like people care nearly because you're like you're in this little bubble especially during COVID I forgot that people were actually nice so um <laughs> you see so much hate you know and then I see everyone helped me and then even when we were in Poland unfortunately like I had to get so many COVID tests unfortunately my family members got COVID and I had to get I had to get an Airbnb that cost me 550 euro and then people were like oh where can I donate to help you and people just kept donating and I was like why are people too nice to me so you know like I said actually before we even went to Poland that's where the drama started that's where like, it started. <laughs> I can't believe just all of the twists and turns like no I, I don't think we've really told the story yet well, properly so Fionn was the two of us had decided two weeks before we went that we were going to be like we were already following all the restrictions we needed to follow but then we decided we were going to be extra careful two weeks before we left so that to Just ensure in, that in context this was traveling in February 2021 Yes. Yeah. Just so yeah. everyone knows, we're still fully in lockdown in Ireland, level five, yes. hardcore, not yeah. let outside five kilometers of your house. So, yeah. yeah, puts it in perspective. So, for the first two weeks before we left, 
we decided we're going to do more than the level five restrictions and we're going to restrict our movements even further. So only going to the shops when we have to, only going to the pharmacy when we have to, not even going on walks with people outside, you know, things like that. Because we are like, Fionn can't have COVID Definitely not. before his surgery. He gets a COVID test the morning of the surgery. And if he has COVID, it's all over. Yeah. So then we decided we were going to buy the top spec PPE to travel. So my dad's company provides PPE and he got me some, Fionn ordered some of his own. And then my dad got us some um, of the top spec kind of mask, shields, you name it. Hand sanitizers, wipes, everything. And uh, we were just so careful. And then Fionn calls me, was it about three days uh, before we were to go? Uh, no, it was actually, it was a week before. Oh we yeah, a week before we were to go. That someone in his household has tested positive for COVID. And I said, you stay in that bedroom and don't leave that bedroom. If you need to go to the toilet, you wear a mask to the toilet. You don't leave that bedroom. I thought you were going to say you. pee in a bucket or something. Uh, I, I was expecting him to say pee out the window, you know, I was yeah. waiting for it. But like, unfortunately, it just like the, the family member was just not cooperative uh, he was like not wearing a mask around the house he wasn't staying in his room and I was like no I can't eat I can't do anything what do I do and I was so nervous like you said like I stayed in my room I started slowly like staying in my room by myself for the two weeks that was my plan and then to like go to Noah's and we go to the airport but I was like I can't do this Noah what am I gonna do and then because then a second person in the house got COVID oh my God. and there's only three of us in the house we have to add that me and two others so yeah. So we were saying, I said, Fionn, what you have to do is you need to get out of there, get an Airbnb or something for the next couple of days, get a um, a private test just to make sure you're OK and then come to me. You know, so we did that. And well, I got a close contact test as well. So I got a private test. I got the close contact test. Then I decided I was very nervous. So I got another test. I got three in that week. And then we had to get the the test the two days before flying as well so I my poor nose and my yeah. throat work over tests and thank god they were all negative and Noah tested uh, negative as well and I was like we haven't even got to Poland yet and I've already spent like 500 euro on COVID Jeez, yeah all adds up like and, and adds to the stress it's already a very stressful situation and then on top of that because COVID is stressful enough but if if COVID's going to stop you traveling stop you getting the surgery you need it, it's a whole extra layer on, on top of things like oh my gosh so then, then you got on the plane I saw your tweets about there wasn't a whole lot of uh, social distancing and uh, COVID uh, regulations no. on the plane going over the flight was 100% booked so everyone in every seat there's no spacing between seats there's no enforcing of social distancing while boarding or anything like it and um, there's no uh, people were taking their masks off when they sat down no one was telling them to put them back on they announced we're serving hot meals on this flight and you're permitted to take your mask off through the duration of your meal eating or whatever. And we were like, what? So oh, the two of us stress. were so nervous on the flight that we were going to get it. Yeah. 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 Easily. Yeah. That's a totally justified. Oh, I can just imagine like I'm even tensing up listening to like the stress of, of, of that. God. Oh, I was so sick. I was so nauseous and nervous the whole time. And then when we got there and we arrived in Warsaw, there was a massive queue for, uh, what do you call it? Like we used to be to present our like negative COVID test. There was a massive queue and people were in social distancing again. And me and Noah were like, we thought we'd be safe. Oh my God. <laughs> How wrong we were. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, that was only day one. That was day one, yeah, day one of the saga. Oh my god! And there then... was also three foot of snow to add to it. If that, oh, oh my god! I saw some photos. I was like, okay, how are you even like walking out in this at the moment? It just, it's literally the perfect ingredient for like a suspense novel over everything that that you can. Emily Shyamalan movie or something. Yeah, just twist <laughs> after twist after twist. So you're in Poland. You're in the hotel room, is it, or Airbnb or whatever? Like there's an Airbnb. Airbnb that I use constantly over there because as we know or a lot of us would have heard in the media that Poland is becoming not the safest place for the LGBTQI plus community and there was a apartment that I first stayed in a few years ago when I went and I'd met the family and they had met us or the 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 son and you know we'd spoke to them beforehand they were a couple from Denmark um you know who just owned some property and things like that they're really really lovely people and I kind of said okay this is a safe place to stay they know the situation so after that I started recommending that particular Airbnb to people so I don't know how many trans guys have been through the doors of that Airbnb but or even if the hosts know that it's now used as the trans surgery hub <laughs> but that we stayed there it's a good marketing tool for, for yeah. them as well for that. So, well, that's okay. So you're already like out of your total comfort zone. I know it's a place you're familiar with. But you're still in a different country. There's three feet of snow on the ground. How long were you in, in the B&B before you made it to the hospital? Three or four days, I think, was it? Okay. And three? then getting to COVID tests three. as well in that three. time then, period. Yeah. And then I got another, again, COVID test right before like we had a consultation and then I had a consultation and then did the COVID test then you know what I mean and then you had to come back the next day and if you were negative obviously you know you get your surgery and if you're positive good luck to you so that was the that was the um the, that was the fast one the antigen one so that was the one where like it picks up like if, if you've ever had COVID or if you've gotten COVID whatever and that was the one I was mostly scared about you know so negative woo <laughs> <You're lucky. laughs> but Go, go back to the, the first consultation. So we were in the apartment for like three days before Fionn had his consultation with the surgeon. Um, and I remember those three days, the first time we went out. because So Poland is open. In terms of their restrictions, the only things that aren't open are pubs, clubs and eat-in dining. All the shops are open, shopping centres are open, things like that. And I remember the first day we were walking around and I knew the area because I'd been before a couple of times before. And do you remember Fionn? Fionn just kind of looked at one point, he looked and he, he looked like he was about to have a panic attack. Do you remember? I was like, are you OK? Mm-hmm. And you were like, I'm very overwhelmed. I don't know the city. I don't know what's happening. And he, you had like a little mini freak out yeah. on the way to the supermarket, was it? Yeah, because I just realized what was going on and I was so scared that the co- I was I was terrified of the COVID test. That's what I was scared of. I think we were just going to get food and I was so scared of going near anybody. Obviously, I was like, I'm hungry, but I was like so nervous about, about touching anything, like anything. And that is probably one of the scariest I've been besides the other surgery. And I do. I actually remember that. That was a little ladybird shop we were going into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then the next day we were at the the consultation so you have to go for a pre-surgical consultation um and basically when someone travels from Ireland we try to organize that consultation like as in military work arrive consultation surgery so that we don't have to spend so much money in Poland so it was 
it worked out well. I you, we had the consultation. Surgery was for you know was it the following day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had the consultation, and uh, before Fionn went in for his consultation, um, I had just made an appointment with him because that's the same surgeon that performed surgery on me, and um, I said to I asked just for a quick consultation because there was a bit on the side that was bothering me from my own surgery. And also there was a metal clip left in my chest unexpectedly, accidentally during my surgery. Um, we're still having an argument as to who left that metal clip in my chest, but there's only one person that's been in my chest. So yeah, it didn't magically um, appear. <laughs> no, you're not born with metal in your chest. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, he said to me, he goes, I can fix this thing on the side and I can look for the clip this week. And I was like, sorry? I, like, I just wanted to ask him what could be done about it in, in yeah, future. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm here to look after Fionn because the point of me being there was convalescence care for Fionn after his surgery. So for listeners who don't understand that after you have top surgery, if you think of like little T-Rex hands or little kangaroo hands, you can't move your arms from your side you can't raise your arm. I know I'm raising my arms and no one can see me because they're all listening to audio, but you can't raise your arms. You can't push anything. You can't pull anything. You can't lift anything. Get um, you can't, no. And even simple yeah, things like true. reaching up to turn a light switch yeah. on can really hurt you. So, so I was going, your own, like you're totally like yeah. the, the struggle of that mental and physical. Yeah. Wow. So I, I was, I was purely going with Fiona to help with all of that stuff. And when, the surgeon said to me, you know, I'll do this surgery this week. And I was a bit like, I don't know. Let me give me a few days to decide. Like he was going to fix it there and then. Otherwise, I would have had to pay to go back to Poland, flight accommodation, things like that. And I was like, what was I like, Fiona? I was like, right he up was until like, the day. Will I? Won't I? And I literally turned to him and goes, you better get this done. And he was like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, do it. And he's like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> I was like his hype man the whole time. Like, if you do it, I was like, you'd be fine. Because I knew from, again, my previous surgery, I was like, after a couple of days, you're all right. And the thing is, I'm extremely independent. Noah will tell you, like, I'm like, no, I don't need this. Don't come near me. And he's like, you can't move. And I'm like, I can do it. <laughs> like, even even with the amount of drugs that I was hyped upon, I knew, like, I came in one day to him and I fully dressed myself. I think it was day six or something. And I was like, look at me, I'm dressed. And he was like, oh. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> like a little kid going, I, I can do it myself. Yeah, he came <laughs> into me. He came into me that morning, fully dressed, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so proud of you!" <laughs> it, was, it was the socks. It was the hardest. It took me like ten minutes to put on one sock, and I was so happy. About I can it. imagine I like, no. you stubbornly going, "It's going on, whether it likes it or not." It's that's what's that's happening. Literally, me in a nutshell. I spent twenty minutes putting on socks just to prove a point. Oh my god, I don't know. I don't blame you for sure. So, so at this I guess point, my, my main yeah. fear though was the fact that. He told me that this surgery is normally done under general anesthetic. And I said, that's not possible because he wanted to do it Friday and we were flying home Friday. So I said, nah, it's not possible. Can you do the surgery any other day? And he goes, it's the only day I can do it for you. And I said, I, well, I can't then. I can't go under general anesthetic and fly home in three hours. Mm -hmm. And he said, I can do it under local. And I was like, okay, so you're only going to sedate me. He goes, no, no sedation, just local anesthetic. And I was like, I don't think so. Like, absolutely not. Like he explained how it's going to be like a 30 to 35 centimeter incision. Oh. And I was like the whole week, I was like, Fionn, I don't think I'm worried. I, I'm going to be completely awake and alert. Like 
And then how are we going to fly later on that day? Because Fionn's out of action on both sides. Yeah, carrying bags and I was, even, stuff like that. Yeah. Now, I went ahead with it anyway, which was eventful. I think we'll get to that part of the story. But uh, Fionn has some very lovely photos. Fionn sat in the room for my surgery. I, until I loved it. I loved it. It was like watching a Netflix series. And I, <laughs> we have to remember, I'm still like on so much high medication. Like, I, I, I thought it was deadly. No, I'm extremely, no, I will tell you, I'm ex- I have a big fear of blood and stuff. Like, I'm very squeamish. I sat there staring. I was like, this is deadly. <laughs> Taking pictures. <laughs> I don't think I could have done that if I wasn't on all the, you know, after yeah, surgery You had the good, the good drugs in, in, your, in oh, your system yeah. for that. And he was so. sitting there and he, he was sitting there. I was sitting there and the surgeon was like, oh, you should be a surgeon too. And I was like, I think I will. Definitely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Then Fionn had his consultation after. Yeah. I have to say it went really well. Yeah. Um, but the only thing my issue was is I had a bit of fluid um, under underneath the skin and then we kind of you know we were trying to bat- battling back and forth to see what it was and it turned out to be uh, a seroma so for people that don't know what a seroma is it's um, kind of a buildable fluid under the skin it's actually quite common when someone has uh, a double mastectomy or if someone has like you know like a tummy tuck or anything that involves kind of you know skin being moved it's like formed like a like a sack nearly like a blister underneath right the skin. right and I have to say that is extremely uncomfortable I think I didn't have that much pain in like the whole like any of the surgeries I've had before in my life but that was the worst pain because it was like a blister I mean you can imagine a tiny little blister on your finger and just imagine a huge one underneath like on your chest and it was both sides as well so he drained yeah, it wow. um, which I was grateful and the instant relief um I couldn't actually see it but no how many vials was it like there was like a lot Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, eleven vials. Eleven. Oh my eleven gosh. large, eleven twenty cc syringes. So that's wow. There's no point to me even showing my finger the size <laughs> that it's approximately a fo- a can of coke length, give or a take. Same yeah. than that, maybe. But yeah, that's. Oh, that's Jon keeps lot. jumping ahead of the drama. There was the night of the surgery. Oh yeah. Jeez. Okay. I keep forgetting because I was so open for the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just so, I did. That part was still over in Poland, right? The serotonin. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that was part of it. So go back to yeah, the night before the surgery. Then sounds like the night before Christmas, but not, yeah. not as fun. Definitely not as fun. I mean, I'm extremely like I said, I was extremely nervous. But I think I think Noah was more nervous than me. Actually, I think you, you were you were like my dad. You were like making sure I did this, making sure this, and extremely nervous. And I was. I was so scared. Yeah, I suppose. You know, what? I think what mostly scared the two of us was not only you know coronavirus but I'm a type 1 diabetic and we were terrified and I was terrified that like something would go wrong or like so you're prone to infection being a type 1 diabetic as well and like I was scared of that and my surgeon told me to run my blood sugars a little high because what happened if they dropped because if they dropped there's no like you can't feed you have to feed someone you know sugar so like if I'm out of it like in like in surgery they can't give me sugar right they just have like they can bring it down obviously with insulin but like it was difficult for them to bring it back up so Fionn who's been diabetic his entire life and has managed his own diabetes for his entire life and me not knowing very much about it me being like to you like every few minutes Fionn have you checked your bloods Fionn have you done your insulin tonight you need to do it in three minutes and I'm like I've never like Fionn still managing this his own life (laughs) yeah Yeah, I'm 24 noted as well so I was like what are you doing (laughs) Then I suppose like that was okay actually. I was very lucky because I have um I have a meter kind of in my arm Dexcom which is like a like a CGM so I was that was fine. 
and then we went in and he was like okay be in for what time was it I think it was be in for 12 and surgeries at like half two and then next thing I was waiting for surgery and he didn't show up until like four o'clock wasn't it I think and so like yeah. he, we were already nervous I was thinking Jesus Christ like why is it so long but when we left you off you know the, what you have to remember over there is the surgeon himself his English is really good everyone else in the hospital it's really quite difficult to communicate with because they don't speak English and we didn't speak Polish mm-hmm. um so like mutually it, it's really really hard to get anything across to anyone in the hospital if the doc if the surgeon isn't there and when we went in for surgery day obviously there's COVID restrictions it wasn't like mine where my friend Will got to stay in the hospital while I was in surgery got to meet me coming out of surgery things like that and Fionn had his COVID test which came back negative mm-hmm. and then it was the point where I had to let him go up the stairs to the ward and I wasn't allowed to go with him. But I was like obsessively running around to people, anyone who could speak English and be like, here's my number, get them to call me when he's out. And I was like repeatedly being like, promise me you'll call me when he comes out. And they're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I thought the message had gotten across. And Fionn then was texting me. You were texting me being like, no, I was supposed to go down to surgery two hours ago. I haven't seen anyone. What's going on? And I couldn't be in the hospital. And I, was like, I was so nervous. And then I was telling them, please call Noah after. And, and everyone was like, we will, we will. Well, it's not like that over there. Like, you know, they don't, they don't call. They only call you if something's wrong, you know, like right. whereas in Ireland we're called. They're like, oh, he's doing good, yeah. you know, whatever. But like, I was really nervous then. And then thankfully Dr. Lambas came in and he was like, what did he say? He said the surgery will only be like three hours because like it's only a revision, right? Because I only had like a small chest because I had I had top surgery, like I said, in September 2019, where that was the big surgery. And I was like, oh, there's not that much. It'll only be three hours. And the next thing I wake up and it's midnight. <laughs> and I was like, what's happening? So like I wake up at midnight to a million calls and texts. And I'm sure Noah can explain the whole the nerve wracking that part. But I just woke up and I was like, oh, what? Yeah. And in the meantime, I was told that he'd be out of surgery at like, maybe 6 p.m. ish uh so I was waiting for this call around between six seven eight o'clock nothing Fionn's mother was texting me I haven't heard anything you haven't heard anything you told me you'd update me I'm like I haven't heard anything and then I'm like on Twitter being like does anyone know how to speak Polish can you like translate something for me I had people in Ireland that I don't know calling the hospital in Poland like people from Poland who live in Ireland yeah trying to get word on Fionn I had someone in Krakow who was a sister of a Twitter follower of mine calling the hospital who was threatening to get someone fired because they weren't in contact with me and then Fionn texted me at 12 o'clock at night and I cried in the bed because I was up the walls Uh, thinking something had happened to him I think you lost a stone in relief at that moment like (laughs) I've gone oh my god wow yeah yeah, I felt I felt so bad. I think the only text I said was, "I'm alive." Oh, yeah. It's a good text <laughs> that's, to send. That's the exact text. <laughs> and then, but then I passed out like again. But like I was very sick. I, I really yeah. bad uh, reaction to generalized sex. So I was very sick. Like I I wasn't vomiting, but like nearly vomiting you know, with extreme nausea and fatigue and stuff. And then my bloods were all over the place then again. But they had managed to sort yeah. them out. But like again, I didn't know what was going on behind this scene. No, of course not. And wait, what date was what day was this now? This, this was... was the surgery date. So that was the night. So that would have been the eighteenth of February, the night of the surgery as well. Was that so you were flying home on a Friday? But what day was the surgery? So this would have been the Thursday before. So the eighteenth, and we would have been flying home the twenty sixth. 
Right. Sorry. Okay. So it's not that much of a, a time gap no. to kind of recover. Just even I'm stressed of the trauma of listening to you, let alone you two in that situation. So I can imagine. So you're trying to like recover, not lift your hands and, and you know, Noah is nurse, nurse Noah looking after you. But then <laughs> Noah, you're also going, I have to do this surgery myself now in a, f- a few days and then fly home a few hours after having an operation. That Well, that wild. was a little bit. That was the thing I was a little bit mindful of, you know, in the first few days after Fionn's surgery, I I know that my surgery was just in my head the whole time, but I was trying not to mention it the first few days because I was like, no, Fionn is like really unwell at the moment. Sure, we were sitting on the couch one day and he was just like, remember you're about to vomit and you couldn't um, stop, but you he couldn't vomit, but it, it, it was constant retching which really hurts the chest yeah um yeah. and he was th- going through bouts of this and he was really sick and at the back of my head I was trying to make sure he was okay and look after him but also worrying about my surgery a little bit and you know if my other half or my dad called me and if I wanted to talk about it I'd go downstairs because I didn't want to talk about it around him um oh but I knew like I know you so well that I knew you were worried but the thing is I was trying to not bother you too much but I was too sick not to like I was extremely ill because again now you have to remember a seroma the seroma I had didn't develop until like day five or six but that's when the pain started like it was a different type of pain so obviously my pain was more I was nauseous and it was like vertigo nearly dizzy you know whatever and I was retching and that's what hurt me so much was the retching because I would go to get sick and then the pain would stop it and then I'd get dizzy and then it would be a constant circle and then the pain started on my side and that's what the seroma was doing so it was completely different and then I was not too bad like I got used to the pain medication but I just but there's a few there's a few scary moments when you know Fionn would be totally okay and then all of a sudden he'd be and I guess like his diabetes feeds into that too like the first day that we went out walking after the surgery now the surgeon you know suggests trying to go out walking as soon as he can after reduces swelling all that kind of stuff and we went out for a couple of hours walking around the city outside and I'd say we were where were we we were about 20 minutes away from home 15 minutes and Fionn well we were in the supermarket and Fionn went from being 100% okay to I can't walk anymore. Like, I need to stand here while you do the rest of the shopping kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then we had to walk home really slowly. And all that time, I was terrified that he was going to faint on the street because number one, he's extremely tired after surgery. Two, his blood sugars were not in the right place. Mm-hmm. And he was in pain. And I was like, oh my God, like, I sh- um, what's, what is even the ambulance number in this country? I don't know, <laughs> just in yeah, case he had like... the language, but... Like, mm-hmm. I, I just my heart breaks for someone who's gone through that on their own. Like, you know, Fionn, you're so lucky that no was there and you shouldn't even have to be lucky. And, and you know, it shouldn't be a situation at all. But just thinking if, if someone was there on their own, like the terror and the fear of, of trying to go through that on your own just absolutely breaks my heart. And uh, just the, the cruelty of being in that situation is just something else like you're you're trying to figure out all this stuff that you shouldn't have to be doing like and, well a friend of ours went out on his own in um october, october and admittedly it's something i still feel absolutely woeful about i was supposed to go with him but something happened with my health myself in that i couldn't travel um 
but he went ahead and he is, you know, he is, he was living in direct provision in Ireland. He's, you know, he has, he has come from a different country to Ireland and then has to then go, navigate our trans healthcare system. And that's why I was like, I'm definitely going to go with you. It's going to be fine. Like, I didn't know how he was going to, like, it, it was scary for him and scary for me thinking about it because he he's black and Poland's notoriously racist for they have high levels of hate crime. Um, he's a trans guy, you know, so I was like, oh, I, I was afraid he wouldn't even get into the country, to be honest, because he was traveling on refugee documents. He's a refugee. Um. And I, after he did, I, I remember staying up till like 2 a.m. till I got a text from him to say he was in the apartment. And when he was, it was just like this, oh, this relief. Yeah. Um, but then, I, you know, I was in touch with him every single day and kind of walking him through things from Ireland. But I was so worried about how he was going to be able to manage after the surgery because I knew what it was like and I knew just how hard it was. And it was to the point where the day before he went into surgery, I was like, okay, take plates and cups from the shelves and put them down onto the counters because you won't be able to reach up to get them. Start using the lamps and don't use the light switches because you won't be able to use them afterwards. Get used to doing that. Now, I don't know how he did it on his own because it is so, I wouldn't have been able to do it on my own. I definitely did. Many people do it as well. Like like there's loads of people, but they just don't want to talk about it, you know? Yeah. God, and I, yeah, especially if you want to keep your the, the transition on your medical stuff private, like most people mm. would, would, you know, that's oh, that's wild. You've got to remember, a lot of trans people don't have anybody else. Exactly, yeah. a lot of trans people don't have supportive family, don't have, aren't immersed in the trans community where they have knowledgeable friends. You know, we have plenty of trans people living in rural Irish towns and who. Who, who are stealth or or who don't have friends um, and it's these people who are most vulnerable and these people are forced to go abroad by themselves yeah shocking yeah. like you can see from your your story like just the the, the bizarreness of the whole thing and, and just and then that didn't even stop so you had your surgeries yeah. <laughs> and a few hours before you traveled I don't know how you did it but it didn't stop there so when you came back it, it, the, the saga continued it continued then. It continues. Like I said earlier, um, I got a seroma, so they took out 11 vials, uh, you know, of like, you know, like, like fluid from my chest. And he said to me, my surgeon said, look, listen, Fionn, this is a thing. It doesn't stop. It's like, it's like a blister. It's just going to keep coming back. So get it drained once a week. And I said, okay, me take it. That's grand. He goes, go to your GP. I was like, unreal. He sent me all the details. You know, if your GP's a bit confused, he can use this, this, this. I was like, deadly. Went back. Then we went home. And I was so ill. What was I like when we came back? Yeah, he was in a huge amount of pain. And there was one day I got really scared. He was falling asleep on the couch repeatedly. Um, you know, and he had gotten a good sleep the night before because I, I know he got a good sleep because I didn't get a good sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for context, I live in a one bedroom apartment and the couch is too small for anyone to sleep on. So we had to share the bed. And that's how I didn't get a good sleep. And I know he did. But the next day. Because you're also still in quarantine from traveling at this point as well. Well, we decided, yes, that we were going to quarantine together because we traveled together. There was no point in I live alone. So there was no point in Fionn going back to his home where other people lived. um, Actually, someone who still had COVID there at the time. Yeah. Um, 
so I said, look, let's quarantine in my house for two weeks or and, yes. and they'll be fine. Um, and that day he woke up and then kept falling back asleep. And he was really lethargic. He was his stomach. He kept saying he, was, he felt sick and he was just it was, he was kind of incoherent to the point where he seemed confused to me like he wasn't here. Yeah. And I kind of started thinking he's got an infection because I was like, he's incoherent. He's very lethargic. He's very sleepy. Um, he's in pain. I was like, it has to be some post-surgical right infection. Yeah. And I, I came, I was on the phone outside and I came back in. And I said, Fion, don't care. You're going to A&E. I said, that's it. Like, you have to. Yeah. And because we are quarantining, we didn't want to get public transport. And also the fact that I'm probably about a well, 25 minute walk from a hospital. So we had to walk down while he was very sick. Um, it's just and layers and layers of hardship in this. Like it just, wow. Yeah. Well, eventually we got there and Fionn, do you want to? Yeah, and it was already kind of like, you know, we had to go to A&E and they said, you know, maybe explain the situation, you know, I was sent by the HSC cross-border scheme to go abroad, I'm trans, you know, and like, again, I was already scared to know, like, I don't really want to say to them because you're going to say double mastectomy and they're going to know. And I was already kind of, I remember, I remember there's people in the room, I remember going and no one looking at me and I was like, I'm trans. <laughs> like, I'll put it under my breath because I, again, like, it's something like, you know, it shouldn't be anyone's business either, but like it had to be, you know. And I remember saying, they seemed really confused. They, they were, were so like, confused. initially, when we got there, we said, Oh, he had chest surgery recently and he need it's there's some sort of infection going on. And the guy, the triage nurse, was like, And bear in mind, the way it's set up with COVID is all the other people waiting to see him are in the same room, they're right behind us. Mm-hmm. There's a, it's a new triage system where they have a, a tent outside the hospital and people are sitting behind you waiting to see the triage nurse. So Fionn was no like, privacy. I've had chest surgery. And uh, they were like, just go back to your surgeon. And we were like, we can't, because he had it done in Poland a few days ago. And they were like, why'd you have it done in Poland? And he was like, because they don't do it here. And then your mom was like, they do do chest surgeries in Ireland. And we are like, no, not for us, they don't. And they were like, sorry, why did you, what, what surgery did you get? And we are like, it's a mistake to me. And I was getting really annoyed and Fionn was get, just getting embarrassed. I was, I was really embarrassed, I have to say. Extremely. And I, I just kind of, he was like, so why did you have to get a double mastectomy? And Fionn was like, I'm tr-, like he whispered that he was trans. And your man goes, sorry, I can't hear you. And oh Fionn was like, God. I'm trans. And he was like, oh, right, okay. And he goes, you know, eventually he just said to us, oh, we're, we're not obliged to treat you if you went abroad for surgery. Um, like we're, it, that's not our our we have no one here who could do that and I had to kind of what I could see Fionn getting like just embarrassed and getting like he and he was also remember very ill and not fighting fit yeah. and I remember turning around and saying something what was it I said uh, this is accident and emergency and any person experiencing a medical emergency in Ireland despite the fact of where they got it a surgery or not is entitled to be seen by you yeah as a basic human thing and yeah. they were still kind of resistant to it until we said that we kind of did a bit of a oh you, you got mad an untruth <laughs> it was like a it, he was sent abroad by the hsc under the cross-border directive yeah, now it shouldn't make any difference to them it's a half truth 
yeah, like, yeah, he was forced out, but it shouldn't make any difference why or how. The pro- the issue is you're presenting at A&E with some, a medical thing. Like, what are you going to do? Go back on the plane to Poland? Like, that's not going to be an option. Yeah. Basically. Now, eventually, when we started saying about the HSE and they sent us abroad or something like that, uh, his tone changed a bit, didn't he? He then got a bit more like, okay. Yeah, because he was like, well, see, he was like, if it's, you know, he's like, I understand. He was like, oh, I thought you'd be like someone who'd got um, a tummy tuck and we still, you know, if you come abroad. And then he was kind of comparing it to cosmetic surgery. And then again, I'm getting embarrassed and Noah's trying to explain, like, listen, I think he's got infection and I, we need help. And it was kind of like when Noah kind of started talking about infection wise, he was kind of like, oh, OK. And then we, then I was kind of I was admitted. But again, it was bye, Noah. Off you go, Fionn, by yourself into a e which I understand again because of, you know, COVID, and I was put into um, an isolation room then, um, which is completely fair. Like, we're not going to sit here and deny that. Like, it was fair. Yeah. And yeah. they were doing, like, once you go into, like, kind of, like, triage and, like, self-isolation, they get you to have a COVID test, like, like routine. Like, You're like, routine. not again. Jesus. <laughs> this is what, like, my sixth or seventh, seventh, yeah. seventh. So I was like, sure, listen, we're, we're grand. And I explained the whole situation of, you know, needing to um, get the fluid drained. And they were like, eh, very, mm, you know, we don't do that here, whatever. And all well that happens. And they gave, they did that for me a year and a half beforehand. Yeah. When I had the same problem. Yeah. And like, I I was telling them about, you know, I need my drain, whatever. And again, they put me on drip drip as well because I was extremely dehydrated and whatever. And they checked for infection. They said, you don't actually have an infection. And then next thing I know, the nurses in telling me I'm COVID, tested positive for COVID. And it was honestly the most gut-wrenching. Like, I was oh devastated. Yeah. I sat there. I, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to say, like, I'm gonna, not going to tell a lie. I sat there and I cried. Yeah. I literally stopped. And I was like, are you kidding me? And she was like, no. And I goes, ha. <laughs> I turned to her and I goes, this is an episode of Punked. And she looked at me and goes, it's not love. I'm sorry. And then she turned to me and goes, well, that's what you get for, you know, flying abroad and I literally turned to her and I was like you have no idea and I explained the situation I goes there is no surgery for me at all here and I got really aggressive and I'm not gonna lie I did and I was very upset and I called Noah to explain and I just what was I like no I just sobbed I just when Hyun called me I thought something terrible like obviously COVID's terrible but I thought like he got some really bad news about his chest or something because he called me and I answered thinking he was just going to give me an update on what's going on and he burst into tears on the phone because, you know, I was waiting at home for him to come back because I wasn't allowed to wait in A&E. And he burst into tears and he just said, I'm, I've got COVID. My test came back. I've got COVID. And I just said, right. And I'm normally really calm and stuff. Like that. And I said, right, OK. I said, fine. I said, um, that's OK. And he just said, Fionn then started crying again. And he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I said, what are you sorry for? And he was really upset. And he was like, I'm so sorry, because that means you probably have it too. And I'm sorry to do this to you. And he was so, and I said, it, it is not your fault. I traveled with you. I said, there's no way of knowing whether I got it first or you got it first. I said, it's, and there's no point in trying to figure out where we got it either, because, you know, it's not. Yeah, you're not going to that's not important that yeah no. I said it's it's like the flu I yeah. said I think I remember saying that to you on the phone I said it's like the flu you don't know where you got it from and that's fine I said the main thing is neither of us are extremely extremely unwell right now 
Um, but then I started getting annoyed because I asked them what they were going to do with him. Uh, and he was like, they're sending me home, like back to my house. But at this point, I didn't know if I had COVID or not. So I was like, wait, they're sending him home to my one bedroom apartment where the two of us have to sleep in the same bed, not knowing if I have COVID yet or not officially. Now, of course, the doctors were like, look, if you guys have been together and sleeping in the same bed, you're both going to have it. But I was like, but maybe not. I don't know. Because uh, you remember, we tested negative the day before flying as well. So we knew we didn't have it on the Thursday. And then we flew on the Friday, which people weren't wearing their masks correctly. The same stuff on the way on the way to Poland was happening on the way back. And we just knew, like, I'm like, I'm conv- it has to be the plane because we quarantined together we quarantined there we like Noah said at the start like top spec of PPE we wore it all and there was so much tested negative on the Thursday flew on the Friday went into complete isolation and tested positive he tested positive on Monday so it has to have been the journey home probably with the incubation period and stuff like that like yeah yeah so when you know when Fionn called me I was kind of shocked because like we managed to do this whole trip and it was the last hurdle that got us. And, you know, when the doctors said to him he's coming home, I started freaking out a little bit because I was like, no, wait, hang on. They're sending him home to a one bedroom place with someone who's not confirmed COVID positive. Like, and then I was also thinking he's also really sick right now. Like with whatever was happening in his chest and his diabetes was, remember your diabetes was just completely out of control. Oh. Yeah. I was like, you can't send not you can't send him home. He's too unwell to be at home. I don't know how to fix his diabetes. You do. Um, so I ended up calling. I got really annoyed and I ended up calling A&E and having a full blown argument with his doctor on the phone. And Fionn was also texting me at the time being like, I've been ringing my bell in my isolation room for 45 minutes and no one has come into me. My arm is bleeding. They had taken out his IV and his arm is uncontrollably kind of bleeding. And Fionn was texting me this and he's like, I can't go out of the room because I have COVID. I've been ringing my bell for 45 minutes. So whilst I was eating the head off this doctor for not keeping him in the hospital, I was also telling her, and would you go down to his room because he has been ringing that bell for 45 minutes and he's bleeding. And oh I think she came in straight after. Came in straight away. But like I heard some staff members like go, because I was like so obsessed. I was like, what's happening? Why is nobody answering me? And then I heard when my bell was ringing, someone, I don't know who it was, was like, oh, it's him again. I was like, are you joking me? And then I was getting mad at, oh, yeah. I was getting mad at Noah saying like, why is nobody coming? The complete um, lack of empathy there. Like I know, I know they're busy and everything else, but you don't have to make comments like, well, that's what you get or, oh, it's him again. Like that's, yeah. there's no Eventually, the doctor was lovely at the end when she when Noah did explain everything to her you know but like at the end of the day you have to remember now they were just you know put me on a drip and they tell me I had COVID but I also didn't get anything done about my seroma which is my main reason for going in there until she told me that like you'll be referred to the breast team uh in in you know and then they'll come back and they'll get in contact with you so you go home and then when I went home and the next day I was ringing 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 the clinic they wouldn't answer and then they tell me no we don't have a referral for you we don't have a referral and I said no I have the referral and it was back and forth back and forth and eventually someone called me back about my COVID and they were like oh you know like you know like uh, kind of contact tracing but from the hospital as well as just contact tracing but the contact tracing from the hospital team and I said also get the breast team onto me soon and the one with um I can't remember her name but she was there and she was lovely and she said I've actually just seen your story your story on Twitter 
I will get right onto that for you. And she was a lovely, lovely nurse in the hospital. And I cannot remember her name, but she got the breast contact, the team to contact me. And then they told me to come into A&E the, um, the next day. And then I went into A&E and I got drained. And the comments were, there was many comments made, which I was really upset about. For example, like, oh, this aroma isn't that big. You know, I've seen bigger, you know, I don't think you should have been here. I was expecting it to be da da da. And I was like, well, actually the thing about this aroma is because I waited for two days, no one will tell you you've seen it. It dramatically decreased in two days really quickly. And it turned into actually what I've only, I've only figured out recently. I've got uh, two abscesses now stitch abscess abscesses sorry and like it like it's it's gotten hard and that's what happens with compression so I was already sore and she drained like it was 300 mils which is if you've seen the small uh, coke cans that's how much was out of one side only of my chest because she refused to do the right side so I was already extremely frustrated again going back to now trying to explain the whole situation and in this time this is when I eventually let your COVID head back into my house that night. <laughs> well, <laughs> finally allowed. I, uh, I, had to, I kind of came to the realization. I was like, okay, he has to come back because there's nowhere for him to go. Yeah. I, you know, I was like, I'm, if I don't have COVID, I'm going to have to accept that I'm going to get it. And if I do, I do. But I remember, you know, the contact tracing. Sorry, we didn't even wait for contact tracing. Myself and Fionn had the same GP who's amazing and is absolutely sick of both of us. Shout out to Tony Knott and we love you, Tony. <laughs> but he is absolutely sick of the two of us because we're always on the phone to him. But he, we didn't even wait for contact tracing to call because when his positive result came back, I called Tony and I said, hey, Tony, Dr. Norton, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I called Tony. And I was like, hey, Tony, um, like Fionn has COVID, I need to be referred for a test. Yeah. And he sorted that pretty quick. Okay. So I um got my test and of course it came back positive the following day. Um but this is where Fionn got away with it. Fionn didn't get COVID symptoms. Fionn didn't get the cough, the sore throat, the can't breathe in the morning for two hours, the panic. I got all the COVID symptoms and he got all the really horrific post-surgical complications, as well as what COVID did to Fiona is it messed with his diabetes an awful lot where he couldn't, no matter what he tried, he couldn't get his blood sugar stable, um, which made him so tired and sick. And I'm there, there'd be different times in the day where I'd be lying down thinking I want to die because this COVID is so bad and Fionn's bouncing around the place and then there's other times where he's lying down the couch looking like he's about to kick, kick the bucket with his diabetes and I'm bouncing around the place <laughs> and it was just like this bizarre like he couldn't weeks. write that like he actually no, it was like couldn't. a weird fever dream you know and it was like <laughs> yeah. I had to he was now the patient as well it was kind of funny how, the, how that Uno reverse card worked it, oh it reversed so quick because I became really ill and there was one particular day with the COVID Do you remember it Fionn when we had to call Tony again <laughs> and, and I called Tony and I said I don't know what's going on Tony I said I'm I know I've COVID but we're coming to the tail end of it I am so unwell. I've never felt like this in my life. I've zero energy. I feel like I'm going to collapse. I'm like, my chest is really sore. I only recent, I only lost my smell and taste like two days before I finished with my COVID quarantine. But I am, um, <clears throat> I said it to Tony and he was quite concerned and he was questioning whether I had a secondary bacterial infection as well. 
And he said, no, I don't know if I should send you to the hospital tonight or to one of the COVID hubs. And I kind of said, no, look, let's just wait till tomorrow. I'll go to bed and see if it's any better. Um, but that night I realized with everything that went on, with the stress of travel, the stress of COVID, um, I forgot that I was eight days late taking my testosterone injection. Of course. So I'm also on an estrogen blocker, which meant no estrogen in my body, no testosterone in my body with COVID and post-surgical. So it was like, now I don't know what caused that really bad couple of days, but it could have been a number of things. Um, But then it seemed like one day I'd be well, the next day Fionn would be ill. You know, it just went... Yeah. It was so it was so chaotic. And then like I remember I woke up one day and a load of my hair fell out and I was like, Well, this is it. I was like, This is where where I go bald and you die. <laughs> you know, and at only twenty four. At only twenty four. Like I know like my family history. Like I remember we remember that day as well. You no, know, it was so ill and we were trying to figure out my family history of balding and we were like, Right, so who in you is it your dad or is it who or you skip the generation and the, the and then I remember I remember actually Caroline I messaged yourself and a few others and we were talking about that you know the hair loss because of the it's a you know body infection and stuff and then no it was like ah oh, no it's not that bad it's not you know I wasn't any help because I was like yeah falls out for ages yeah sorry <laughs> about that <laughs> yeah no I knew she gave me some you know like some sort of like you know I was I realized I wasn't alone and then Noah kind of we started noticing it because I wake up what do you mean like, Noah started noticing it Noah started saying yeah I know you've been leaving your hair all over me <laughs> bed me shower me pillows <laughs> but the best thing was he was like oh I'll be grand and then he turns to me the day before my sleep and he goes my hair is fine there as well oh no <laughs> it's like you actually couldn't write this like honestly if you sat down to write this you wouldn't get anything close to it and it just like what's striking me with the whole mess like it just I'm so glad you had each other for for that Mm -hmm. and it just like it's it stands out like you said you know your friend that went and you know maybe English it might be a first language for some people going abroad or they might have a disability or it's just a sheer terror. I don't I don't think I'd be able to go through something like that. I'm terrible at when I'm ill. I'm like, oh my God, like someone look after me. I had COVID. My husband was like turned into a nurse, like, and I was like, bring me food, bring me everything. <laughs> I didn't have to deal with like traveling and surgery on, on top of all that. So like your resilience is amazing, say, though, but it shouldn't have to be. Yeah, but I must say we're really lucky in the people we had around us and our friends you know when we were quarantining for those what was it 12 days or something um the amount of people that just wanted to do our shopping for us that wanted to bring us treats that you know a load of our friends would you know drop off bags of groceries and easter eggs and flowers and wine and Brennan's bread, a lot of Brennan's bread. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of toast and, getting you through. Yeah, and people yeah. were just so going to the pharmacy for us because we needed medications, antibiotics. The both of us needed antibiotics afterwards for various things. Um, our testosterone, you know, people just wanted to help. Uh, picked up Fionn's arm thing, his machine. Uh, like, people were just so good to us. But it was just such a bizarre time and I guess kind of I wouldn't even say it's concluded yet because I know both of us are still getting some after effects and things like that but we both made an appointment to go and see Tony our GP uh, last week or the week before 
which was the first time we'd seen each other since we left quarantine. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, of course, made our appointments at the same time uh, <laughs> to go to Tony's. We both just needed our surgical sites checked um, pretty much. And <laughs> I thought this was the end of it. And then I said to Tony, you need to take that stitch out. There's one stitch that needs to be removed because the rest were all dissolvable. Um, and Tony says to me, I can't see a stitch. Oh, <laughs> so, no, what? what now? <laughs> because we've been quarantining for too long. We, he couldn't go anywhere to get the stitch removed. And it's after growing. The skin is growing over. Oh, my God. Stitch, yeah. <laughs> so what we ended up having to do was I was sitting there with Tony going, uh, I'll whip out the pictures of the surgery because you can see where the stitch is and the pictures that Fiona taken. But then the two of us sitting there and I was flicking through the photographs of my surgery and Tony was like, oh, my God, what? They did that when you're awake. Because it was huge, like, yeah, it's really they're really graphic. Um, I know I but, saw them on Twitter. Thanks, uh, Fionn, for that. <laughs> that was but, no way to them. But I, yeah, eventually he found this stitch, but we, we weren't quite sure if it was the right stitch or the wrong stitch. Um, because we were referring to like these blurry pictures of a tiny little stitch. And um, anyway, he snipped something. He snipped some piece of thread. We were still to know whether it was the correct one or not, but we think it was. Um, and yeah, other than that, it was fine. Um, I seem to be doing okay, except I've recently discovered that I too have a stitch abscess um, on my one. So yeah. It's, you can't do anything for those you have to just let them happen as well like and I'm then Fionn had to go back to the hospital last weekend yeah oh yeah that was my final my final go to the hospital where I figured out I had stitch abscess and they gave me antibiotics but uh, again was refused to get drained because you know we don't do that here because da 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 same stuff but again tried to she eventually tried to drain it and she said unfortunately because it's been left for too long because I was refused to get drained again by the by, by the hospital, the original hospital. This is a different hospital, I should mention, sorry. But the first hospital refused to give me, um, I should say, refused to give me a follow-up appointment. They actually discharged me without me knowing until I rang up. So I didn't have it drained for three weeks. And the issue there was it had solidified. So when she tried to drain it, I couldn't get anything. So now currently I have two stitch abscesses and a little mini seroma. So we just have to, I have to let it absorb in my body. Like I can't do anything now. And that wouldn't have happened probably if I just got it drained, which is yeah. so terrible. Oh, Fiona, explain why they jumped so high, that email you got. So they wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything. And the reason I was in the, you know, I was in the waiting room for a very long time and nobody kind of believed me really. Well, they believed me, but they were like, oh, it's not that important until I was emailing my surgeon. And I told my surgeon, he was like, what, 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 what's going on? Like, I don't understand why your GP won't do it. So my surgeon sent me an email and said, look, listen, I'm not, I know I shouldn't advise this. You know, again, this is in Poland. It's so common for people just to go to your GP and they'll drain a seroma, they'll do this, whatever. So he sent me the details to do it myself. And I said, I cannot do this myself. So I turned and I said to the A&E nurse, I said, I'm going to go home and do this myself if you don't do it. And that's the only reason I believe that she... Because I was seeing, I sent, I sent that, and then like five minutes later, I was seeing. Wow. So, that's, and that's, wow. That's, that's, 
coming to the end of our story you know <laughs> I just well like yeah we're up to an hour and I'd say you probably left out a ton of stuff anyway and, and all that oh, as definitely. well but it's just it's just shocking and it really shows you how much you take for granted as a cis person that you don't have to deal with this I mean the, the system isn't great for cis people anyway but for trans people it's absolutely appalling like absolutely zero of this should have happened um from going abroad from fundraising from from catching COVID I, I'm really appreciative of you know you telling your story tonight I don't like the whole here tell me your trauma and we can help it but I think your story is really important for people to hear to understand why the system is so bad and actually what the reality is so hopefully people listening would be shocked and horrified and go what can I do to help and for those people who really do want to help and who are shocked where can they start how can they support and and be an active ally you know because somebody in your life is trans whether you know it or not you know that's that's the reality of it so you know being an active ally what are the steps people can take I'd say a few practical things would be if you only if you have the means if you see a trans person doing a fundraiser for their their healthcare, you know if you have only if you have the means and you're comfortable to do so to donate a couple of euro into that if you can't donate and you don't have the means sharing it is just as effective and just as important um you know there's so many trans people who take years to raise this money and and they don't have any other choice um you know another way to do things would be you know, very little of this is in our politicians' hands, let's be honest. Um, most of it is to do with the HSC. The only top surgeon in Ireland providing top surgery to transmasculine people retired a year and a half ago. The HSC haven't rehired for her position and don't intend to. So it's not really, yes, lobby TDs to get this talked about, to get the Department of Health on the backs of the HSE about this, but essentially it's the HSE that can make this change. So it's getting on to them. Um, getting on to if people google the leadership team of the hse you will see a number of of people to contact on that list about this uh, for service users themselves who aren't getting adequate treatment the your service your say tool is very effective it means that all complaints that go in through that have to be monitored and followed up on um so there's a number of things like that it's getting behind places like the this is me campaign and Tenny, the Transgender Equality Network, at their campaigns, um, and and educating yourselves a little bit about what trans people have to go through. Like myself and Fiona sat here telling this story of our last trip. We've laughed through the interview. We've, you know, we've joked, but at the time it wasn't very funny at all. And it was very, very stressful. We can laugh about it now. Um, some of it have to. but definitely yeah yeah at the time it wasn't funny yeah. and it, it was really really difficult and we're not the only people there's every nearly every single trans person in this country is experiencing this exactly yeah and I think everyone could kind of relate to it regardless like everyone knows someone who's had to go and have surgery you know whatever you hear in Ireland or abroad and you can only imagine having to travel abroad as well like I'm so grateful that you know I work for the students yeah GW Students Union that they gave me time off you know and they really helped and they were so supportive and they said you can work from home you can do this so even if you're an employer and like you know a, a trans person one of your employees approaches you just give them the time off a bit of compassion you know that's all we ask for you know just be like understanding you know that you know they're going to be out for a while and then plus quarantining you know if it's during covid times and what happens if something else happens you know you might get aroma on the way you know so again a bit of compassion is all i am asking for um 
and again if you want to you know help out like Noah said there's many many ways of being a good ally can can we give your challenge or your challengers can we give your uh, listeners a challenge yeah for trans day of visibility so if you want to do something for trans people this trans day of visibility i want to challenge everyone listening to this today to send an email to two people send an email to uh someone on the leadership team of the hse if you just google leadership team they'll all come up there um and also one to one of your local TDs and ask them why Ireland is not using international best practice standards of care when it comes to trans health care in Ireland and why the model of care has not been updated and changed till now. And as well as that, ask why we have no surgery and op- options in this country for trans people and why we are still sending trans people abroad and if they are got if they have plans to make changes on that so if you can send the same letter to two separate people for trans day of visibility that is something really practical that you can do to help us on on a day that we we are supposed to be visible no absolutely and that's low effort for a lot of people so hopefully you know people would take that opportunity to do that so um absolutely look at yeah if you have the few euro help out a trans person if you don't you know share around and if you can you can write those emails to your tds and stuff so there's definitely things you can do and then linking in with organizations like tenny to learn about how i can be an effective ally and things like that so um listen you're both amazing um remind us of your um um, your is where we can find you if people want to link in and learn a bit more about this. My my Instagram and Twitter is you're no fun, so it's you are no fun. People will always get that confused. It's supposed to be like you're no fun, you're no fun. But there you go. <laughs> um, my Twitter is where I'm most active. Would be uh, Noah underscore Halpin. So that's N O A H underscore. H-A-L-P-I-N and my Instagram is just Noah Halpin. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone just, you know, uh, reach out and follow the guys. They're doing amazing work. So that's and less gory pictures now after the surgery is gone. But they are there if <laughs> you want to see I did put a warning. It. You did, you I did. I did put Thank a warning. <laughs> but I think even going looking at them and just looking at the, the saga of that, I think is just really important. So um, I definitely urge all my listeners who I know are a lovely, compassionate bunch. You wouldn't be listening to the podcast otherwise um, and, and just go and, and help out and, and just be be a good human so um thanks Emil, for listening go check out all over twitter it's trans day of visibility there's a ton of events talks everything on um art stuff absolutely everything all over the place so um have a look at that and support support your trans people in your life and even if you don't know them they do exist in your life um so you know showing compassion and love is where we're at so thanks Emil, for listening and i'll chat to you soon